Uh, I don't know. I should, I should, uh, you know, do what I'm always telling other people to do and listen to it with ears unclouded by hate. Ooh, true. We'll you tell people that? Yeah. I, I tell Jeremy that mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to I Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, and uh, I'm realizing right now that I didn't think up a title for myself. So once again, I'm just happy to be here. I'm Jeremy Nice Ruggles. (laughs) Nice. Nice. And I'm Peter Cook, and you can check me out on Instagram at torn curtain you just rep your wouldn't we no (laughs) (laughs) are you profiting off of this podcast in the form of instagram likes sir because i will not stand for that you caught me caught me red-handed that's what i'm doing here there's a cabal of record flippers who are relying on peter to push dollar records to two dollar records and they're gonna make the (laughs) extra dollar profit and cut uh-huh. him in 50 cents per copy. They're going to pay us millions to change the name of the show to I'd buy that for a buck 95. <laughs> I told you I was going to make a career out of this podcast. I didn't tell you how I was going to do it. <laughs> it's unraveling before us. Uh, did you guys know that we are joined by a secret special guest on this episode who also just so happens to be the greatest person I know, Darko the Super? Oh, Darko the Supers in the house? Hi, I'm Art Vandelay, and I do architecture. Listen to my <laughs> podcast. I wouldn't buy that for 10 bucks. The new album from Darko the Super. I thought you were more of an importer-exporter. He is an importer-exporter. I also import and export. Yeah. <laughs> Before we uh, do too much importing and exporting, do we want to talk about a record real quick? Maybe like 30 to 60 minutes-ish, somewhere around there? Tell the people who Darko is. Yeah, maybe some... I know he's like... Pretty much world famous, but maybe a little context. Worldwide, baby. <laughs> uh, Darko, tell us about yourself. Hi, I'm Darko the Super. I like sunshine and hard-boiled eggs. Also, mm-hmm. I rap music. I rap music. Yeah. I've heard Thank him rap you. some music. I've heard it on <laughs> digital streams. I've heard it in person. I've heard him um, uh, rap about Pornhub in front of his father before at a concert. That was an experience. Yeah, we don't talk about that, Sean. We don't talk about that. <laughs> I mean, you were the one that were talking about it. I'm just uh, <laughs> I'm just retelling the history. That's <laughs> a classic. That's a Darko classic from the vaults. I've heard him rap on cassettes. Cassettes, records, CDs. Lathe cuts. Lathe cuts. The man does it all. I do it all. Now, if someone wanted to hear uh, evidence of this music rapping, where might they find you on the internet? You can find me at uddtba.bandcamp.com. Once again, that's uddtba.bandcamp.com. We got underwear. What does that stand for, that? You don't deserve this beautiful art. I don't? You do. But some people, they don't. They don't get it. And if you got to ask if you're one of those people, then you might not deserve it. Exactly. And that's the name of the label you have, right, Darko? Yeah, I also released some Molly Pizza on that record label. 
world famous Smiley Pizza. That's true. Get a slice today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry now. Jeremy, what's Molly Pizza? <laughs> that's that's my political dance band. Oh. So is this uh podcast nepotism then by having your uh label executive guest on the program? Yes. <laughs> A little quid pro uh, quo going on. Yeah. You can find that out by looking on my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Jeremy Ruggles laptop I've heard so much about. Yeah. Don't click on uh, crackpipefootjob.mpg, though. Everybody's talking about that browser history. <laughs> All right, can we talk about this record now? We, we know Let's exactly who Darko the Super is. People know where to find more information. What record does he want to talk about this week? I would like to talk about Buzzy Linhart's Pussycats Can Go Far. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's just, let's just kick off with a song real quick. Which kick one are we going to hear first? I want to hear... Shoe that fly, baby. Dropping the needle on side A, track one, as it should be. Here we go. Shoe That Fly by Buzzy Linhart. Here on I'd Buy That for a Dollar, would you? <laughs> I certainly would. That was fun. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a good way to kick off the record. It's a fun song. Gets you kind of hooked in. Song's a little goofy, a little playful, but catchy and interesting. You know, it, I feel like this record really rewards multiple listens there's a lot going on a lot to pick up on that you might not catch the first couple times you play it yeah it hints at the dark underbelly of the record to me the shoe that fly when you actually realize what he's talking about yeah you find that a lot with this guy's music like at first it seems like kind of a corny goofy song and then the more you pay attention to it it's like actually this is really interesting lyrics and very complicated music happening behind it and yeah, it slowly unfolds. I have a confession. Hit me with it. I've been aware of Buzzy Linhart by reputation, but I'm not sure if I was familiar with his music at all 
at least his you know original own composed music. I knew of him guesting on other stuff, but he's because he's done session work on a lot of other people's albums. But I don't know that I was very familiar with his original music going in, and I kept forgetting that I wasn't listening to a Randy Newman album while I was listening to this. <laughs> oh man, there is some Randy Newman similarities. I didn't think about that because I don't really ever listen to Randy Newman, but you're totally right. And that's that's not a, a negative. I, I still think he's his own thing, but that's just the most similar vibe that I could think of. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, what was your familiarity with Buzzy before this? I think I learned about Buzzy from Darko initially, because Darko loves Buzzy. I don't know if that was made clear at any point yet. And he... Did you work with Buzzy on something? Is that what uh, I'm remembering? No, I, I rave about him a lot, but I do know his son now. I, I first got into Buzzy. I bought this record, Pussycats Can Go Far, from a local record store, Positively Records. Where are you, Darko? Where, where, where are, are we? Guys? We're in Yardley, Pennsylvania. Yes. Or Marsville, Pennsylvania. Levittown, one of those. It's all the same to me, so I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> you know, so I was looking at the back of the record, you know, the front is like, uh, you know, he's got an Alice in Wonderland thing kind of going on. And then on the back is just him in all white holding a white cat. And he looks so mysterious and happy and just full of wonder. And I thought, what, what is this guy up to? You know, so I bought it. And as soon as I heard Shoe That Fly and the rest of the album, I fell in love and knew this was the greatest thing I've heard in a very long time. And um, I went back to the store and bought every Buzzy record I could find there. Um, I guess someone was selling a collection and they had they had this, they had Buzzy, they had his album Music, Buzzy Linhart's Music, and um, you know a couple others I think. Pussycats Can Go Far has always been my favorite and I sampled Friends, his, uh, you know, his biggest, biggest song and um, this version is always my, has always been my favorite, the one with the piano at the beginning, you know. I sampled that for an album called Buzzy Linhart, or for a song called Buzzy Linhart is My Friend. And uh, his his son, Zeno, found out about it and messaged me on Facebook. And, um, you know, I've been, we're still friends, you know. And, uh, yeah, I've just been singing the praises of Buzzy Linhart everywhere I go, so. Being familiar with your music, I when I listened to this, I could very much hear a kindred spirit in the music. Yeah, definitely. I wish I could sing like Buzzy. I never heard anyone you know, sing like Buzzy the way he, d- the way he does things. So, yeah, I think my, my favorite singers of all time are Buzzy and Danny Elfman, specifically for Oingo Boingo's Only a Lad. Which, that could, have you ever done that? That's another episode. I got that, that for a dollar. It could definitely be an episode, yeah. <laughs> I had uh, I was just uh, pulling out my copy last night, actually. Oh, nice. Doing some organizing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a fun one. Yeah, so Shoot That Fly, that... You know, that's just a classic, something about a dance almost, and it's it just always struck gold with me. So, Right on. Well, I actually, similar to Jeremy, officially got into Buzzy Linhart because of Darko as well. I'd seen his records around a bunch, especially this album, definitely the easiest one to find. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd ever actually listened to them, and then I saw you posting about them, singing the praises all the time, <laughs> and I actually bought this record almost exactly a year ago. Oh here in philadelphia at oh, brewery nice. town beats nice right out the dollar bin yeah i have two or three copies of pussycats can go far i'm actually uh i keep forgetting to mail one to my buddy uh mc paul barman who uh i i put put him onto buzzy linhart as well you know so nice yeah 
and one little tidbit when I was when I first spoke to Zeno, Buzzy's son, um, he told me that Pussycats can go far. I don't know if it was the album or well, I think it was just the, the title track was uh, actually about um, his kids. So it was about him, Zeno and uh, his brothers. What year is this album? I think it's 1974. It is, yep. 74. And he had, well, I guess we're going to go into his background, obviously, at some point here. So I'll, I'll, I'll refrain from asking the questions. If, no. <laughs> <laughs> we can dive into a little background. Do you guys want to start on the background now, or do you want to touch on some of the musicians first? Well, yeah, who's on this? Because, man, uh, the bass on that opening track on, on that we just heard, I really liked the bass. Basically, all the musicians on here are just the Muscle Shoals house band. This whole record was recorded at Muscle Shoals, and uh, when you look at the the credits for pretty much all the players and the producers and engineers, it's just the whole Muscle Shoals crew just killing it like always in prime form in 1974, which... So, because this record was 74 and was done at Muscle Shoals, that means that almost the entire backing band in this record that same year was also recording Willie Nelson's Phases and Stages. Nice. Damn. Legendary record by him. Yeah. And it's so that's, that's why the playing on here is just so perfect. These are the completely seasoned, absolute pro southern musicians that were just killing it on like every record during this time period and then there's a there's a very special guest feature i don't know how far you guys dug into uh the extra credits on here but there's a musician that we sung the praises of early on in this show who has a very funny credit on here do either anybody know who that is is it herbie herbie man uh, on Discogs, it just says that he it lists him as percussion for one song but on the uh, credits on the back of the jacket it says Herbie Man, backup voices on Shoe That Fly, and then also Wastebasket, Struck by Baseball Bat, on The Greatest Person I Know, performed by Herbie Man. Wastebasket, <laughs> Struck by a Baseball Bat? Yeah. Oh, well, there you have it. Yep. <laughs> that's that's I one wish, of my... I wish I could find, like, a story as to how that came about, like... I imagine Herbie was probably in the studio cutting his own record and just like popped in to say hi and they gave him a baseball bat and asked him to hit a trash can for the record. I'm assuming that's what happened. I'm just hoping he did it naked. Oh, like how else would he do it? There's no other way. You gotta be naked if you're doing some basket banging. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right, you guys want to hear another song? Yeah, I think fine. Yeah, why not? Let's just cruise right along and hear another track. Darko, what do you want to hear? Uh, let's do The Greatest Person I Know, since you just mentioned it. That's uh, that's another one of my favorites on here, and of his whole catalog. Definitely. Some people say you're so conceited Could it be that ego has been defeated? You know I do my job whenever I need it And I've been around and let me tell you I found it You have got to be the greatest person I know You're the greatest, you're the greatest person I know Oh yeah, you have got to be the greatest 
I don't know much about Buzzy, but I'm guessing that vibraphone was him. Yes, it was. Because he, on a previous album that we did, the Richie Valens one, Alarm Clock. Richie Havens. Oh my God. I've fallen <laughs> into Jeremy's trap <laughs> that was never planted in my head. You did it. Playing the long game, baby. <laughs> Richie Havens. The Richie Havens album we did, he was on vibraphone on that album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's played uh, vibe on a handful of different records. Yeah, you don't have to be no J. Edgar Hoovy to know that's him on the vibes. Huh? <laughs> Hell yeah. That's a great line. He played. He played. Uh, he played vibes for uh, Jimi Hendrix. True. You may have heard of him. Yep. He has credits on Electric Ladyland. Electric Ladyland, and then he was supposed to be more heavily involved with the the record Jimmy was working on. Cry yeah. of Love, I think. Yep. Yeah. So you can find a couple tracks out there with some some vibes in the background behind Jimmy, which is cool. Speaking of vibes, you ever hear? Uh, well, you did hear, but uh, "Pussy Cats Can Go Far." The outro that's that's one of my favorite moments on on this album. The the title track. Yeah, there, man. There's so many great little moments because the songs just keep shifting here and there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This record rules. Also, when I was uh, playing this in the living room earlier today, uh, I told my wife Sam that this is the record we are doing tonight and that we are having the one and only Darko the Super, and she listened to the record for a bit and was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense that he would be really into this record. Especially, you know, which is interesting to hear multiple people say that since you guys don't make the same genre of music at all, but... Yeah, but I feel kindred spirit in Buzzy, you know? Definitely. I mean, I think the more you learn about him, the more you listen to this music, he kind of takes on this, like, hero for the, I don't know, the disenfranchised or disillusioned kind of the, the the hero for the loners and weirdos out there you know yeah exactly and that you know it was very i got this record when i was like 18 you know it was very coming of age for me oh perfect you know suffering from depression and anxiety and all that and being such a hip-hop head i didn't i never knew like uh there was stuff like this out there that you know I, it was just so beautiful to me and really uh changed my perspective on a lot definitely and buzzy is kind of the the quintessential i'd buy that for a dollar artist he's seems to be almost completely unsung at this point in history. There was a point in time where he was a a big, hot, up-and-coming star, and the time is just so far gone. I mean, this was not necessarily his last record, but kind of. He, he didn't do a lot in the public eye after this. And, yeah, trying to shine that light on the forgotten classics. Sure. Yeah, he's done he's done some stuff after this, and he created his own record label with Buzz Art, with a friend and uh i know he put out some some stuff after this but yeah you're not not nothing as big as this one of course bruce springsteen was opening for him you know what i mean right there's a lot of legends of uh him opening up for very famous people when they came through new york and him just like blowing multiple artists off the stage i've actually heard a handful of people compare him to bruce springsteen in that oh, yeah? he was infamous for having the same working man's attitude towards a live show that bruce springsteen does buzzy was famous for having like three plus hour concerts no. going well over his time just like mm. going nuts all kinds of energy on stage just like really really loved playing music yeah he also was from what i saw from uh this documentary i watched uh very very picky about audience participation if he felt that people weren't paying attention to him, he would a lot of times do kind of creative things to fight that. There was like one show I heard about where he just kept running outside in the middle of a song to like 
take a minute break and just like get some fresh air and his band thought it was funny like the first two times he did it but then he just like kept doing it the entire show to piss off the audience that weren't paying enough attention to him that's some uh that's something painted faces would do oh my god yeah it's so good yeah and there was uh there was one quote someone shared that uh he's playing the show people are talking everyone's being loud and at one point on the mic he's just like how much do you guys pay to get in here 10 bucks because i'd pay you 20 to leave <laughs> nice yeah. i gotta i gotta watch that documentary was that the one on youtube yeah the like hour yeah. and 15 minute long uh famous the buzzy linhart story it was pretty cool had some good yeah. information a lot of good interviews from friends and colleagues and everything yeah well let's hear that bio yeah yeah let's talk about a little little buzzy history how did he get buzzy oh. and talking about <laughs> flies and shooing them so he was born william charles linhart on march 3rd 1943 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then his family shortly after that moved to the land of Cleves, Cleveland, Ohio, and he was raised there, entered the U.S. Navy School of Music as a percussionist at age 18, and that is unfortunately where some of the sad story begins for Buzzy. The military in the middle of the Vietnam War was not a good place for a peace-loving goofball musician with some at that point undiagnosed mental illness and it was a real rough time for him he was very he was had a several month long position where he was supposed to be keeping watch and right before he got it the person who was keeping watch before him was discovered at their post with their neck slit and he said he just spent like six months in complete terror of his life every night watching this post and just suffered a very long, drawn-out mental breakdown in the process. And then another thing that happened to him in the war was he was ordered to fight this fire that had broken out in the middle of camp. And in the middle of fighting it, he caused severe damage to his lungs and was never able to sing quite as well after that, which is partly why all the recorded material you hear from him has such a unique vocal quality to it it's because he was really struggling with his vocals at that point that tracks i can hear that yeah so he left the war came back to new york city in the uh mid to late 60s suffering from heavy ptsd and bodily <laughs> mental damage of all kinds and did his best to overcome that and came up in the greenwich village music scene around the same time as people like Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix and Richie Havens. And from everything I've heard from people that worked with him, he had this interesting quality of being extremely famous in New York and not nearly as much in most other places. Apparently he could sell out pretty much any venue, like any mid-sized venue in New York. He had such a crazy loyal local following and a insane reputation as a live performer you skipped over the part where he was offered to be an actor for tennessee williams well do you want to uh enlighten us then real quick jeremy yeah i think he was in i think he went to miami if i remember i might screw these facts up and david crosby was there or something and he tried out for a tennessee williams play and tennessee williams was like yes yes please come be in my play. And then he was like, now nah, I'm going to New York. Wow. Yeah, he made a lot of interesting 
career choices. That's another thing that a lot of people have talked about is he was very self-destructive in his career choices. And it definitely seemed like the uh, demons that he was fighting were at times keeping him from some of this so-called success. But he kind of had this status as like the cliche of your favorite musician's favorite musician. That's why you have all these credits of people he was friends with. You know, he played on the first Carly Simon record. He played on the, the Richie Havens record. You know, he was friends with Bob Dylan. He basically co-hosted an early version of the Cosby show in the mid seventies. Cos. Cos. Yeah. The one that there's no reruns of and people have basically forgotten about, but he was like Bill Cosby's sidekick in like most of the episodes on that show. He also claims to be the first male full frontal nudity in large budget American cinema. Really? And any of you guys read about that? No. Yeah, I remember that. I just saw in the nude, but it didn't mention full male frontal. Well, here's the here's the pro tip that uh, YouTube documentary has the unedited full frontal male nudity in it. So if you want to not watch the movie and still get that uh, that full buzzy eyeful, <laughs> <laughs> it's up there on YouTube. Oh lord. The moms haven't seen it yet. They haven't taken it down. But no, that's from, uh, let's see, what movie was that from? That was from uh, a movie that also came out in 1974 called The Groove Tube. Oh, which, The Groove Tube. Yep. Yeah, I haven't he seen is, it. He is the, the hitchhiker in the beginning of the movie. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen that. That is, there is some notoriety behind that. Yeah. Had uh, early appearance by Chevy Chase in it. Oh, wow. It's part of the notoriety. It was, yeah, I guess the, the movie was made by underground, up-and-coming New York comedy group that Buzzy was rubbing shoulders with, being kind of a part of the same same scene of weirdos in New York at that time. So that's how he got connected with all of that. Yeah, it's, a, it's Ken Shapiro that uh, yep. directed that. Yeah. Yep. One of the like most common things everybody says about Buzzy is that he was just an extremely funny person and very charismatic. People talked about, like... On his commutes to band practice, he would regularly just have, like, the whole subway car that he was in cracking up by just being the funniest guy in the room at all times. He was very good at making friends, which explains why he just knew so many cool musicians. Yeah, I, I feel like he's the classic kind of, like, musician's musician. All mm -hmm. the musicians know about him, but the public at large don't. Yeah. He also, one of his first, if not his very first recorded appearance is on ESP disc. Did you guys catch that? I did see something about ESP disc. Was it? It's his album, Buzzy. Okay. With a lowercase b. Okay. So it's yeah. That's one of my favorites. Has the song Tornado that opens it. And it's, it's one, of, one of my favorite love songs, you know? Man, I haven't, I haven't heard that album, but ESP disc is... Fantastic early underground New York label. He also, well, the record I was thinking of actually was a, a band he was in called the Seventh Sons. They did one record called Raga 4 a.m. at Frank's that came out in 68 on ESP disc. Because at that point, Buzzy claims that he was basically on the cutting edge of New York psych rock mm -hmm. because this band was attempting to like fuse psych, Eastern sitar music and folk music together. Yeah, have you ever heard that Seventh Seventh Sons? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's, it's on Bandcamp. It's good. Okay. Wait, so it's Yeah, it's on his Bandcamp. So it's actually good as opposed to some of the other psych stuff that was on ESP disc at that time. 
<laughs> Which, yes. like the gods. I mean, I, I love the gods, but musically, it's a little inept. No, this was really cutting edge stuff because they were a psych band fusing Eastern music before all of the other psych bands were doing it. Like when they were making this music before the ESP disc deal, the birds hadn't gone psych yet. The Beatles weren't putting sitar on their records yet. Mm. And there's a lot of theories that he was actually one of the big reasons why a lot of these bands were starting to incorporate that. Because at that point, Buzzy and the band The Seventh Sons basically were holding a every night, all night jam session at their practice space. And it just became this infamous thing that all of the cool musicians coming through New York knew that the best after party was at like the seventh son's house at the end of the night. So like every night you never knew if like, you know, Hendrix or Clapton or the birds or the love and spoonful were just going to show up and start jamming. And Buzzy had been turned on to Robbie Shankar's music before this. He was getting it from the source, incorporating these ideas and it just, it took off really well. He potentially inspired a lot of other people with that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard Sing Joy, Sean? I don't think so. His song Sing Joy. It's on Buzzy. It's it's that's like uh that's a lot like um the Seventh Sons okay. stuff. It might be the I don't remember I haven't listened to Seventh Sons in a while, but it might be like the same thing. For sure. That might just be like a extra, you know, super long jam version of Sing Joy, I think. Something like that. It could be. Yeah, the the Seventh Sons one is just like a it's like a record that's like one song across two sides, pretty much. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm a little bit less familiar with Buzzy's other work. Um, the Pussycats record is the only one that I actually own right now, but I'm definitely oh, I got you. going to be on the lookout for the full catalog. Well, not to big up SoundCloud, or not uh, Spotify, I mean, but they got Buzzy and The Time to Live is Now on Spotify. So Yeah, this one is not on there. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> they couldn't get Atco Records to come around for this one. Yeah, this is on Echo. I've been. I wanted to reissue this. You know, I, I, hopefully, I still can someday. Pussy cats can go far. That would be tight. Yeah. Echo yeah. relaunched this year. I saw. Interesting. Really? Yeah. I don't understand why, but they did. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, who knows? It could just be like it could be like a partial relaunch, just to kind of fully reissue the catalog. I don't know if they're going to sign new artists or not, but who knows? They already signed a Philly band. It said. Ooh, okay. You've already got the hot scoop on the new uh, the new workings of He's Atco. He's already sending his demos. Sean, you might be on Atco Records anytime now. Ooh, okay. See what happens. I'm open to it. Now that you're in Philly. Seventh Sun record happened. Band quickly fell apart because turns out the drummer also had his share of problems. And Buzzy said that the. Uh, Last time he saw the drummer was when the drummer was holding him hostage at gunpoint for three days straight. Oh, man. And him and his girlfriend finally escaped when his drummer, like, finally passed out from his drug-fueled psychotic rage, and they grabbed what they could hold and took off, and then the band broke up. That'll sour a relationship, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, which is, like, which is nuts, too, because they were talking about how the band had... uh, so much hype around him that like they were getting offers from labels. He said they had a really good offer from Electra and like a handful of other notable labels that wanted to make seventh sons like a big deal. Doors were hitting it big and all these other psych bands. So they're trying to snap up these cool psych groups. And their whole thing was every offer that they got included the, the deal that they had to 
use a studio drummer for all the tracks and they refused to do it. He like kept standing by his drummer oh, man. like, no, I won't take a deal unless you put my drummer on it. And then his drummer like tried to kill him not long after that. So yeah. young Buzzy couldn't catch an even break. Yeah. You know, I only s- spoke to Buzzy once on the phone and uh, it, it was, it was rough because, and this is why I tried to do the fundraiser for him with one of my albums. Yeah, he was talking about his, you know, his PTSD from the war and everything going on. It was really sad. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think he got a little better after that, but yeah. When when did you talk to him? What year? Do you remember? Uh, it, was, it was a while back. I don't remember what, what year, but I remember it being on like a holiday. I think it was like Father's Day or Easter or something, because I remember mm-hmm. being over my grandparents, and um, uh, he messaged me on Facebook, and I gave him my number for whatever. And uh, yeah, that that was that really. I tr- I won't, that's why I did all that trying to release albums and stuff to try and help. he had a he had this fund for his medical expenses with with a really uh, this place that seemed seemed like a great place for you know I guess musicians in need sort of. But yeah, it was re- it was you know really sad. He had, he had a uh, this had to been like 2016 maybe. Okay. When I talked to him, he just passed away this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, in February. Yep. Yeah, he had a heart attack in 2018. I guess, you know, he never really uh, recovered all the way from that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I think one of the most consistent themes in his music is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's like recognizing the bad things that are happening and your shortcomings, but just learning to live with it. Yeah, yeah. And trying to be happy throughout it. Yeah, there's yeah. so much positivity and... There's like a a weird amount of positivity, especially like we talked about, I feel like it'd be really easy for someone unfamiliar with Buzzy to put on a record and think that it's kind of a novelty, kind of jokey record, but it's about so much more than that. It's about like someone, someone coming from like a place of real and painful struggle and working through it on record for you, Yeah, which is why there's like such a variety of themes. There's happy sounding songs about very depressing things and the other way around. And it's, it's very complicated music thematically and coming from a very complicated person. Yeah. I really like it because it is, it's clear he's tortured and struggling with things, but unlike many artists who make that the focus and in a very negative way, his message feels to me more like, trying to find that hope and positivity through that struggle and that's beautiful yeah Yeah. because pussycats can still go far yeah Yeah. the love's still growing my man yep that's what he showed me like there's so much love and beauty in this world throughout the pain and despair definitely yeah i just i you know really shine this light when you know it's like uh when i put it on the turntable this light from god shined on it or something and uh opened my world so that's why i always really love buzzy hell yeah it's hopeful let's uh let's hear another song then on that note let's go with friends you know why because you guys are my friends and you gotta have friends all right so let's you gotta have friends oh yeah and this is not jody watley featuring eric b and rakim that was last season true this is buzzy linhart with friends and i am all alone There is no one here beside me And my 
problems have all gone there is no one no one to deride me but you got to have friends the feelings oh so strong you got to have friends friends but they're gone something came and took them away and from the dust to the dawn here is where I'll stay yeah, yeah, yeah. standing at the end of the road boys waiting for my new friends to come I don't care if I'm hungry or Cause you got to have friends Friends I had some friends but they're gone Something came and took them away And from the dust to the down Standing at the end of the road, boys Waiting for my new friends to come I do not That song sounds familiar I think I heard it Oh, I know It was Fox News Channel's Fox and Friends bumper music From 1998 to 2001 Do you have a photographic memory for all Fox and Friends bumper music, Jeremy? Or did you just read that tidbit? I just read that tidbit. I've never watched Fox and Friends, silly. <laughs> uh, you might also be familiar with that song if you're a big Bette Midler fan. Oh, and I am not. <laughs> I only, I, I am as, you know, Beaches, that's my favorite movie of all time. But beyond that, not too familiar, except for her appearance on Seinfeld, of course. <laughs> yeah, legendary appearance. <laughs> High point of her career, I'm sure. Yeah, I did know this song. But I didn't know that version of it. And this is not the normal buzzy version that people usually know. Is that right, Darko? I guess so, yeah. This is but this is my favorite version. Yeah. This was the first one I heard and Yeah. Yeah, but no he, he did, you know, earlier ones on, on uh one of his previous albums, you know. Yeah. I liked that version a lot. The this one Yeah. Bumps and bops maybe a little bit more. <laughs> so the uh the story that in the interview uh, Buzzy talked about is that the first time he met Bette Midler, she had come to see him in concert in New York and met him backstage and just said that she was totally blown away by his performance and they were hanging out and he was playing her some new songs that he had written and he played her the song Friends and she reached back out to him a couple of days later and asked if she could have permission to start performing that song and since then that has become Bette Midler's theme song. She apparently plays that song at every single show she ever does. Hell yeah. I'm sure her version is a little different. <laughs> maybe not quite as interesting as Buzzy's. Maybe it doesn't have the same level of depth, but maybe it does. I personally am not a Bette Midler fan yet, so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just waiting. Waiting, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to find that Bette Midler gem. 
Carly Simon does a version of his song, The Love's Still Growing, I believe. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed that, though, and I was surprised. Yeah, well, I, I like Carly Simon. I can see her. Yeah, I, I mean, that was my first time listening to her, I think. Uh, I can see her doing some good things with his music. She's yeah, a little more savvy on kind of, yeah, I would say that she can get into some darkness a little bit more. She, emotions. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Buzzy and Carly briefly dated? Oh, yeah? I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, Buzzy played on, I think, all of the tracks on Carly Simon's self-titled debut record in 1971. And then he wrote the closing track on there, The Love's Still Growing. Which, if you listen to that, it has kind of a Eastern-inspired psych feel to it. Yeah, yeah, wonder, definitely. wonder where she came up with that. But have you heard his his version? It starts out like that, like uh, the psych. What, yeah, each the opening of each each of the verses start like that. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, he played on Carly Simon's self-titled debut record, and she played on the one track on Richie Haven's Missing Train that we talked about. Buzzy at one point was also roommates with a certain John B. Sebastian. From The Love and Spoonful? Yes, they were roommates before The Love and Spoonful got big. He played on the song Magical Connection on John B. Sebastian's self-titled record from 1970. Buzzy also played on LaBelle's self-titled record from 71. And he played on one of the Cat Mother records, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. He had some interesting features here and there, and probably a good handful of records that he played on or had a hand in that he is not credited for anywhere. Yeah. Buzzy rules. Really did your research, Sean. This is this is cool. I tried. <laughs> I tried real hard. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I should really listen to this podcast. <laughs> we got some stuff every once in a while, you know. <laughs> we try to be informative and not too boring. Mm-hmm. You know, we do our part. You guys want to talk about some more like uh, similar listens? I know there's not really anyone quite exactly like Buzzy Linhart, but I put together a little playlist on Spotify of some stuff that I thought is interesting. Yeah. yeah, hit us with that list that did not include Randy Newman as of this <laughs> recording. Yeah, well, all right, so let's do this. I put five artists on this playlist that we have featured on this show before. Can you guys guess any of them? Uh, let's see. I would have to suspect... Andy Pratt. Yes. Yeah, Andy Pratt, definitely. I'm guessing you didn't go 10cc. Oh, I went 10cc. Oh, oh. you did. I did. I put a nearly seven minute long 10cc song on there, Somewhere in Hollywood, from their classic, oh, classic. sheet music record. Such a good Somewhere song. Somewhere in Hollywood is one of my favorites. Mm. Yeah, this is a good opportunity to bring up the fact that Darko is a major 10cc fan. Yeah. Yes. They're, my, they're my favorite band. Until they sued Dilla, and now I'm a little, little bummed about that. Oh, bummer. But it makes sense. They're still my was favorite. It God, was it Godly and Cream that sued Dilla, or was it the other guys? <laughs> Probably the other guys, right? It was. Let's just say that it was the other guys. Yeah. <laughs> Original soundtrack. No, what's the, what's the other one? That's somewhere in Hollywood is on? Uh, sheet Music. Oh, yeah, Sheet Music. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's probably Which my... has the Dilla sample on it. Yeah, of course, yeah. I listen to that in their first one a lot. That, I would compare them to Buzzy, too. Totally. Yeah. Disagree. <laughs> Well, that's because you're dumb. no good reasons. Just they come from a totally different place. They come from a different place entirely. The goofy part of it is like, I don't know. Yeah, but it gives you the same type of feeling. Disagree. It's oh, goofy, right. veiled political commentary. Jeremy, just fucking grow up and admit to yourself that you like 10cc. 
I didn't fa- I didn't Facebook research this one, but I believe that Darko, when Jeremy commented on line on uh, 10cc hate, I believe Darko, you said you're tripping, homie. 10cc is my favorite band of all time. <laughs> I don't know if I used tripping. I probably said bugging. That's Maybe, but yeah, bugging. bugging. Yeah, it might have been bugging. That sounds like <laughs> more like you. Yep. Yeah, but I, I definitely. Yeah, I can't verify verbatim anyway. But yeah. That, <laughs> All right, are you, are you guys going to guess the other three artists, or do I have to tell you? You got you got Andy Pratt and Ted CC. What are the other three? The one, go, the ones, go, the, go. These are ones that we featured like full albums on. Yes, like Richie Havens, probably. Uh, no. Oh man, what are some other quirky? You didn't put Melanie on there, did you? No, but I probably could have. All right, so I put I put Bread on there, which is a little more of a stretch. I can see that. Yeah, totally. The two that I thought actually have some really interesting comparisons are Phil Oaks. Mm. I've got the song Basket in the Pool from the Greatest Hits record oh, that we did. Totally, yeah. Yeah. And then I put a Jimmy Spheres track on here, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. that's uh, definitely one that I can see. And it, speaking of uh, openers who could steal the uh, show from the headliner. Yeah. Yeah, when I was like doing the research for Buzzy, there was a... A ton of statements from his friends that sounded exactly like things I'd heard other people say about Jimmy Spheris. So, yeah, highly recommend checking out Jimmy Spheris stuff for anybody that liked this episode and wants some more interesting, highly original music. Hey, can I make a little uh, suggestion too? Yeah, what do you got? Uh, you guys should check out my man Dean Friedman, especially Rumpled Romeo. That's what I'm on okay. right now. It's a lot sadder, but I love it. All right, but some of it's you know, it's goofy, it's fun, it's. He does a lot of a lot more storytelling, but I really love him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. 1982 that came out, looks like? Uh, yeah, 81, but yeah. Or two, okay. I don't know. Well, this guy says 82, sir. Well, <laughs> the man said 81, so. You know, me and Dean are doing an album. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. He's the one, uh, I did a record called McDonald's Girl that was a split with him. I, did, I remixed oh, okay. his song. Yeah, that's, nice. that's Dean. Yeah. Nice. Okay, I gotta check that out then. I mean, you've never steered me wrong before, so yeah. So I'm doing a whole whole album of rap versions of Dean Friedman songs. He's nice. got this one called Nookie in the Mail, and it's like the Sen Nudie uh, Pictures anthem, you know, from 1982. So he's way ahead of his time. <laughs> is all I'm saying. Real pioneer. He's got this song called Buy My Baby a Car. You got to check that out. That's that's probably my favorite. I made right. it like uh, I turned it into like. Buy my baby a used Fiero off Craigslist. <laughs> so. I mean, syllabically, it fits in so perfectly. You're right. All right, so real quick, more further listening for people that want to check into some other artists and check out the Spotify playlist that we make every week to accompany these episodes. I also featured a handful of tracks that Buzzy is playing on. You got your John Sebastian track, some Laura Nero. Nairo, not exactly sure how to pronounce her I've last name. I've always heard Nero, but I'm not 100%. I, okay, probably Nero. Featured a LaBelle track that he's on, the Carly Simon track, The Love's Still Growing, that we talked about. And then some other stuff I put on there that I thought was had some similar vibes. Buffy St. Marie, Todd Rundgren, Carpenters. Oh, yeah, Todd Rundgren. Yeah, Jonathan Edwards, Leon Redbone, NRBQ, this guy Don Agrati, who uh, Spotify actually recommended 
as a similar artist that I'd never heard of, and I was listening to his record, Homegrown, that I was really digging, and it has some similar vibes, so you can check that out. David Bromberg is another guy that I think has a lot of similarities to Buzzy. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with that name Just at all. Just the name, I don't know the music. I believe he got his start as a Bob Dylan sideman before he went solo, but he has a lot of, like, very quirky, almost cheesy music at times with, you know, more depth than you would initially pick up on. Hey Peter, who's that? Who's that one guy you covered at the uh, ADT Fest? Kevin Ayers. Yeah, how'd you know? That was exactly what I was thinking. Well, yeah. you, you and both you <laughs> and I alive were really stoked about that because you he had yeah just, we were listening to Joy of a Toy a lot. Yeah, I, like on the way to the festival, and then I go yeah, and, and play. I, I got back into that recently, Joy of a Toy. I really love it. Yeah. Oh, it's I a think, great album. I, I played out yeah. Lady Rachel. I covered Lady Rachel. Oh, from that. yeah, Lady Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Ayers is amazing. He was in Soft Machine. Oh, okay. Early on, and then has a lot had a lot of solo stuff. Yeah, my favorite song for Insane Times. That's my favorite. Mm, on there. Yeah, that's on Joy of a Toy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great stuff. All right. I got three more recommendations that I know Peter is going to fully back me up on. <laughs> First one is not a bargain bin record, but the Dennis Wilson record, Pacific Ocean Blue. Mm. Yeah, 100% back you up on that. That's okay. a fantastic album. Um, I also put a Tim Harden track on there because they were buds. Love Tim Harden. The New York mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then another Tim Buckley. Mm. Another mm. folk musician that got real weird at times. I guess so. so oh, yeah. 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 You know who uh you actually sold me a record of this guy, uh Dirk Hamilton? You guys know that dude? Mm. I remember you buying that and us like listening to it a little bit and being into it, but I haven't I haven't dug back in since then. Yeah, it's kinda got a similar it's like poppy singer songwritery and then there's like these records I got at least from like the mid seventies have that kind of funky vibe. Like Muscle Shoals, kind of. I don't know what you call that. It's not funk music, but it's got a funky vibe. You know, a lot of the Muscle Shoals stuff has a real heavy gospel influence to it. And I actually was going to mention that earlier that, you know, not only did the, the players on here record with Willie Nelson that same year, but a lot of them were also working with people like Aretha Franklin during this time period. And if you listen to the backing tracks under that context, it makes so much sense. And, uh, Buzzy specifically had a lot of uh, background gospel influence, background vocals mm-hmm. on this record, and I think that's a pretty consistent theme for that Muscle Shoals Southern sound. Yeah, but I know what I know what you mean with the funk, Jeremy, because I was thinking that earlier when when he was when Buzzy was singing, "Oh yeah," you know, I was thinking that's some yeah. that's some uh, Parliament type of singing, and I I dig it. Truly, something for everyone with Buzzy Linhart. Yep, Darko, you had mentioned that. You have a song of your own that you want to feature on this episode? A first? Sure, yeah, debut. Debut just for you guys. What is it? Tell us about it. Well, I was in Disney World with my girlfriend when uh, when I heard of Buzzy Linhart passing. And uh, on the plane ride back, I listened to uh, Love Still Growing on repeat, and I wrote this song. And if you like to hear it, here it goes. Let's do it. Okay. The love's still growing. I, I don't know how... I'm just going to read it. I don't know how I would sing it yet. But, uh... The love's still growing. The blood's still flowing. Buzzy Linhart, since you left, it's been dark. Some folks say all hope is gone, but they're wrong. I wrote a song. I'm so high, I can't go on. No more dancing on the White House lawn. I'm so high, I can't come down. If heaven was a mile away, I'd turn this car around. They cheat, cheat, lie. My freak flag flies. It's time to know that some must go. 
In another life when we're both pussycats We'll go far, we don't have to burn out fast No turning back, let's shoo that fly Excuse me while I kiss the sky We all need friends to not get bent Out of shape from outer space The world is won, the war is won The devil defeated, my spirit's rising My heart's completed, it's hypnotizing It's mystifying, defying odds Save a seat for me if there is a god Zeus had a lightning rod, Buzzy had a guitar Three wishes from a genie, one from a shooting star Bless your life, Zeno, baby Zimbrino The original beautiful genius Welcome to the wonderful world of Venus Earth people, he's from Jupiter Buzz Lightyear, and he's even more groovier Glad I got to give my flowers Some people must have special powers Matters of the heart, he put it in his art The day the music died, I was with my valentine Sleeping in the pines The time to live is now My mind was in denial he took me to the pilot of my soul, I sang joy loud and bold. It was no tornado after all, and the rain playing basketball didn't even get wet. North, south, east, west, no doubt you're the best. I don't want to ever say goodbye, I want to say hello. Jimmy's on the harp, Buzzy's on the vibraphone. Picking at the scab, I couldn't leave my mind alone. Tell the angels Buzzy's coming home as the, as the stormy winds have blown. I owe my life to the ones who have come before. Putting on my good face just once more. As the church bells ring, Leila's shaking that thing. Take me to the sweetest place. Sometimes we all need to escape. You don't look like a movie star, but you got what it takes. Set my soul on fire like Captain Hornbone. A sincere thank you to the greatest person I know. The future shapes our dreams of gladness. Be like me. Enjoy the madness. You know, so that's that's that. Hell Aww. yeah. That was beautiful. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, I was really devastated when I found that out, but... Yeah, got a little misty eye reading that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's tough, Aww. but yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what's beautiful about music—you can really make that personal connection. Mm-hmm. Especially You're when right. you got great artists like Buzzy Linhart that really just, you know, laid it all out there, opened up their soul on wax for us. Mm-hmm. So I think we're gonna play this closing track in a second, but uh, first, Darko, you wanna hype any? upcoming projects maybe some like hot records they're about to drop on november 6th yeah i got a new album there's a horse in the hospital coming out november 6th on you don't deserve this beautiful art i think it's my best work yet my latest and greatest you know i got a uh, nosage from new kingdom on there my man day tripper from the difference machine harvey cliff on the artwork and the uh and a few tracks he, oh we got this song all about mandy the greatest nicholas cage film you know so there's a lot going on there. It's a concept album. It's a little political. Well, a lot political, but you know what I'm saying. And uh, after that, I got a new album with Big Baby Gandhi, produced by him. I got an album with Steel Tip Dove in the works. Me and Dean Friedman, you know, doing that album. And, uh, you know, a lot more. So Always staying I'm busy. Gonna, I'm just going to keep working. You know, that's all I could do. Well, I'm just going to say, as someone that has... Listen to a lot of Darko the Super Material. Unfortunately, not all of it because there's just so much. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Darko's even heard all of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely possible. I gotta agree with you. Horse in the Hospital is the best work that I've heard from you so far, and I'm very happy to have pre-ordered it. I'm excited for it. Oh, thanks so much, man. And it's in addition of forty that's coming out, right? Yeah, just forty. Right? I'm just doing lathe cut, twelve inches, and. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to get like these cool jackets, you know, sleeves, but like just put stickers on them uh, that I'm getting designed, you know, and nice. I got the wallet CD type of thing going on and I just got shirts in if you want a shirt and uh, everything comes with a sticker. Hell yeah. Yep. Pick that record up before it's gone, y'all. Do it. Yeah. And we'll just remind our listeners that you can always check us out on 
Instagram, as well as Facebook. Keep our social media updated. And you can support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash I'd buy that podcast, or you can find the link in the show notes. We've been growing in season two. It's exciting. It's true. Hey, can I plug one more thing? Go for it. Oh, please do. Because I, I wasn't sure if I could talk about this, but I think I can now. I produced a new album for MF Grimm called The Hunt for the Gingerbread Man 2, Get the Dough. And that'll be on double 12-inch. It'll come with a booklet with all the characters and the artwork, all by my man Harvey Cliff. You know, so that's like, that's my magnum opus right now after uh, Yeah, that's a big a deal, damn. So. Hell yeah. Yeah, Darko. Yeah, you, we'll see. You've, uh... I don't know if you if you want to mention just some of the artists that you've put stuff out by on uh, You Don't Deserve This Beautiful Art. I was blown away when you got our Stevie Moore to put something out on there. Yeah, yeah. Our Stevie Moore, he's a he's a wacky dude, you know. But yeah, I love that love that album we put out and all his work. Well, I don't know about all. I haven't heard it all. There's, <laughs> you know, a million of them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Serengeti, you know, shout out to Serengeti. That's how I was able to work with MF Grimm, actually. You know, Serengeti was... He's huge for me and one of my favorite artists of all time. So, yeah, you know, we put out a lot of great stuff. Uh, Big Baby Gandhi, my man Migraine McNasty was our first cassette. That was huge for me. He's who who I listened to every day in high school, you know, him and MF Doom. It was, it was either uh, McNasty or um, Mad Villainy. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to think of any, uh, you know, the Dean Friedman thing was amazing for me. He's one of my favorite songwriters of all time, so. Doing something with him was cool. Yeah, so now just me and MF Grimm are going to try and take over the world now. So we'll see. I'm ready for it. Yeah. We, <laughs> it's time. The world the needs time it. time has come. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm done plugging. I'm sorry. I'll let you go. Cool. Well, I think we're going to go out on the title track from this record. Nice. This, if that sounds good to y'all. Yeah. I like it. I want to mention one other song. Yeah. Uh, I think it's called See You Again. That's, that's my other favorite from Pussycats Can Go Far. I think that's like the ultimate uh one of the ultimate love songs like first falling in love hearing that you know it's really amazing so all right and uh for also one last thing further listening buzzy stated in an interview i watched that his favorite song that he ever wrote is on this record and it's a track called there it goes again oh yeah so that's a classic. oh that's a that was maybe my favorite listening through this most recent times kind of hard to pick the standout tracks from here because it seems like every time I listen to it I have a new favorite track so just go buy the record <laughs> buy all the Buzzy Lynn hard stuff and listen to more episodes of this podcast buy all Darko's material you'll be much better off I promise <laughs> are there any particular lines or lyrics I, I know I mean I, I feel like in all of his songs there's a real key lyric are there any particular ones in this last cut that strike any of you in any particular way in the, the title track Pussycats Can Go Far uh, I'm incapable of hearing lyrics. Yeah, yeah, Dar- Darko, you're a more lyrically based person. Is there any anything that you uh, divine from the title track? Oh, yeah, of course. The last thing I said in the song I wrote for him, "Be like me, enjoy the madness." I think that really uh, encapsulates Buzzy Linhart, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's from Pussycats Could Go Far. Excellent. So, Definitely go with that one. All right, well, this has been I'd Buy That for a Dollar, and my name is Peter Cook. Uh, I'm Sean Hartman. I'm Jeremy Ruggles. And I'm Darko the Super. See you later, guys. (laughs) 
Pussy cats can go far. The future shapes their dreams of gladness. Happy's right where you are. Be like me, enjoy your madness. Time can be satisfied by no one. Cat can go far. She enjoys the sound of laughter, shining bright like a star, star, star. Happy noise is what we're after. Life can be perfect.